Summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is Andrew Murata, and this is show number 12. Good morning, everyone. Yes, that was Summer Wind by our good friend Frank Sinatra. And just a couple weeks left of summer. Man, it's been a great summer, and what an event we had last week, uh, the eclipse. I am here this morning. I'm in the studio. I have my producer here, Gavin Burt. Gavin, did you shut down the radio station, get the glasses, go outside? What happened here at uh, WDLC uh, on the day of the eclipse? Well, I have a rule that if there is a nuclear attack, a flood, or any other civil, natural, or otherwise emergency, I'm not leaving my post here. But I did notice around 2.45, it was like it was 7.30 at night. It was starting to get darker. And then maybe an hour later, it just was back to normal, and then the sun was out until, you know, uh, the end of the day, 7 or 8 p.m. You couldn't fool the boss and say, hey, it's closing time, it's getting dark, let's get going. He, he didn't go for that? I could have, but that's not how, not how I roll. I uh, I work honestly, and um, if I'd wanted to see the eclipse, I would have told him in advance. That's not fair fair to him to the company. If you had totality here, Gavin, if you, it was you had total eclipse, would you have gone out, or the radio would have stayed on, and you would have been up in here? I would have been up in here. He's not going out for the totality. Well, we, we hope that you got to see it somewhere. Some of my teachers at Port Jervis High School traveled across the country, traveled to different places. Uh, but what a phenomenon uh, with that. So that being said, let's get started right now. Uh, very lucky and very excited. Uh, coming up in our next segment, our guest today, Superintendent of Valley Central Schools, John Exanthus. And uh, John Exanthus used to be the superintendent at Port Jervis Schools some years ago, and uh, very excited to have him in studio. And we're going to talk leadership, we're going to talk life, we're going to talk school, and we're going to talk sports. X is a big uh, sports guy as well. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving, and we're going to call out our radio stations now. We appreciate them having us on this morning. Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY. And Wall Radio on the following FM stations, 94.1-94.9-105.7-106.1-and-on-the-HD2-101.5-and-1340-on-the-AM-that-is-Wall-radio-today's-opening-concept-is-based-around-my-good-friend-John-Exanthus-some-of-the-things-I've-learned-from-him
For those of you that are listening around the county here, Orange County, and you know John Exantis, he is a relationship builder. He is genuine. He's authentic. And uh, uh, I've learned so much from him about education, so much from him about connecting with people. Uh, and he's one of the best I know in the business uh, and in my life in terms of connecting with people. And in reflecting and preparing on today's show, I, I, I jotted down some of the things, again, working with John Exantis, nine, 10 years in Port Jervis, uh, just some of the things that, that I think come naturally to him. Um, we'll, we'll ask him how much he's worked at some of these things. But number one, knowing people's names and knowing things about them. Uh, John is uh, amazing doing that. Just, just incredible. Uh, and again, if you've been lucky enough to work with him or you work with him now, you know that. I know his family's going to bust on him that he might forget some things. But man, he knows everyone's name that works in the district. He knows where they're from. He knows about their parents. He knows about their children. It's incredible, his memory. So that might sound easy to you or be something that comes easy. Uh, I have a hard time remembering names, and uh, Exantis is the, the man at that. One quick story. I'm at Port Jervis a couple years, uh, and I've shared the story about that I lost my dad in the marathon. And when I did lose my dad, boy, it threw me for a loop. I was out of school a whole week and I actually, I believe I had to take the Monday off afterwards, too. I was just so zonked from all the uh, the wake and the funeral and just the emotional roller coaster with my family. So here I'm out of school, plus the weekend, six, seven, eight days. I get back in early the next morning. And who's the first message on my machine from a week earlier? John Exantis asking me about how the marathon went with my dad. And he made the comment, I know how special it is for you and him to do that and I wanted to hear all about it, and, and that was a week after my dad passed. I never forgot that, and uh, he probably had 25 things on his to-do list that morning, but he took the time to make that call and that personal connection. Another thing X-Man uh, does, he's, he's always at the events. He goes to all the events, and uh, all of the administrators in Port Jervis, we learned that, that the boss is going to these things, and it's important because you're, you're a leader and you're in the community, uh, that you go to the events, and I know he does that now at Valley Central Schools, uh, go into the events, and just he schedules it, he, he, he finds out about it, he asks about it, and he goes. He makes the time and the effort, and he made the effort to come down here to the studio today, and I, I appreciate that. Another thing X-Man does, he goes to the different schools, he greets the students. Uh, he, when he was a principal, that was a, a thing he did every morning, and before that, as a guidance counselor, but he, he's always there to greet people at an event and, and welcome them and um, just something that he does in his repertoire. Celebrating your people. Uh, John Exantis, a uh, great job doing that. Uh, very nice. A few years on the job, John Exantis nominated me for a Mid-Hudson Study Council Award. He wrote the letter and he, and he, and he, he got me that award. And uh, that was such a nice thing he did for me. And uh, set it really a tradition going and uh, following in his footsteps. We've nominated people. Uh, we were lucky enough that Heidi Nyland won the assistant principal of the year a couple years ago. And I don't know if I, I would have necessarily thought or even thought about doing that if it wasn't for John Exantis putting that in my, my toolbox about making sure you nominate and recognize your people. Another thing 
masterful he, he's done. Hiring people with different skill sets. Uh, we all have different talents. We all have different skills. And X has done a great job putting great people around him, putting great people in the classrooms. Uh, and that brings different things to the table, different opinions, different ideas, different styles. And uh, we've always enjoyed that. And that's some of the things that, that, that I try to do. So that's today's opening concept about connecting with people and, and having that personal connection. And, and John Exantis is a master of doing that. Um, and again, we're here on education, leadership, and beyond, surviving and thriving. Another thing I wanted to share this morning along those lines about relationship building and connecting with people. If you want to jot this down, I read the book some years ago by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink. And Malcolm Gladwell is a, an award-winning author, top uh, best-selling author, uh, you know, psychologist, and a lot of things that, that really make you think. Um, but he tells the story in the book Blink about why some doctors get sued and why other doctors don't. And he did some research uh, where they recorded uh, sessions in, in uh, rooms with doctors. They didn't necessarily record what exactly was being said, but they recorded the voice tones. Uh, you know, they muffled out with all that FERPA stuff, so they weren't recording all the medical stuff. But they recorded how much time the doctor spent with the patient, who did most of the talking, and they were able to decipher certain words that showed that the doctor was actively listening, not just yesing the person to death, but really connecting with them, including asking about your family, asking about your life, connecting with the person, which is what made me think about John Exantis. And, and what the uh, Malcolm Gladwell explains in the book Blink, that the doctor that spent just a little bit more time, the doctor that did more active listening, and the doctor that made the person feel a little bit more comfortable by asking them about themselves, asking them not just necessarily about the medical issue they had going on, but about their lives and their family and, and making, making that difference in that person's life. Uh, he writes, Malcolm Gladwell in the book, the difference was entirely how they talked with and to their patients. And though that doctor that spent less time did more talking and less listening and didn't make that personal connection, they were the ones that were more often sued. And why was that? That was because the person felt a personal connection with their doctor and they liked them. And you know what? When you like your doctor, when you like your teacher, when you like your superintendent, you want to work harder. If they make a mistake, you're not going to sue them. And that's really what it came down to. And after spending uh, almost 10 years with John Exantis, uh, we've been through a lot of ups and, and some downs. And uh, through it all, uh, he is a fantastic guy with, with great reputation and, and those around him that know it. Even today, coming over to the radio station, I mentioned to a couple of my friends, uh, I said, I got X-Man coming on the radio. And, ah, oh, he is the best, the nicest guy. Uh, just such nice things to say about him. So very excited to have him on the show today and learned a lot about leadership and a lot about life. Uh, and uh, I hope to share some of that coming up. We're also going to get into his musical uh, selections uh, here on education, leadership, and beyond. He's a big sports guy, but he, he picked out some uh, winners 
for his musical selection. So coming up in our next segment, John Exanthus, superintendent of Valley Central Schools. We'll be right back on education, leadership, and beyond, surviving and thriving. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Telling me I got to beware. Chewing on a piece of grass, walking down the road. And welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is show number 12, and we are excited to have the X-Man in studio here, uh, Superintendent of Valley Central Schools, John Exantis. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you having here, making the time. I know you had a bunch of stuff going on at Valley Central today, and uh, you made time to come on the show, so greatly appreciate it. No, it's nice for you to ask me to come. John, I want to ask you, growing up in Newburgh, before we get to your job as superintendent, just uh, some stuff, uh, you know, before mm-hmm. you became a superintendent, you know, you grew up in Newburgh and your father owned a gas station. Is, yeah. is that right? That's exactly right. And actually, this is a, there's a new movie out, right, called Detroit, which is the 50th uh, anniversary of the riots of the summer of 1967 and just as an aside my father owned our he ran actually worked for mobile oil company was a training station and um for the first 22 years um that he was there the first 10 he worked for mobile oil and then uh, mobile oil decided to pull out he decided to stay and took over the station but it trained dealers to go out but the point of my story is in 1967 there was riots in newburgh and i can remember sitting saturday night um, my father, we knew there was going to be riots. So was the, they knew there was going to be trouble. And the phone rang, and um, he left the house to go to protect his business. And when he got down to downtown Newburgh, um, he was not allowed to go in. The next day, uh, we went to see the destruction. It was uh, all the windows were knocked out, um, thing, garbage cans through, through windows, and um, they looted there was batteries and tires gone and um i'll the thing i learned i always learned from my father about that but the thing was uh it was like a uh almost like a wake people were coming home to the neighborhood now you have to remember newburgh this is uh back in the late 60s and where my father's station was half half it was the poorest part of newburgh and then the other part of it was doctors lawyers um, businessmen who were all uh, his customers and the poorest people were his customers and the people in the community were coming by and uh, and uh, offering their condolences and said geez George really sorry this happened to you and he said you know I appreciate that but I know you people didn't do it this was from outside forces and we're gonna we're gonna the people said we'll do anything to help you clean up and stuff so it was I learned a lesson, and he always taught it. It didn't matter about people, what color their skin was. 
It was how people treated you and how you treated them. And that was a lesson that I, I took with me forever. Never looked at people as far as uh, what skin type or background and things like that. So, but I saw that movie. I want to go see Detroit because, of what, as you said, on a much smaller scale, we lived that in Newburgh in 67. And, John, that's a, a powerful story, and I know uh, you're going to slap me around from my opening segment talking about you like that, but those lessons you learned from your dad translated into what I talked about to open the show about your personal connections with people. So tell me about working in the gas station, and what were some of the things that your dad, you know, I remember about customer service. Well, I was going to say, it was all about customer service. That's what he uh, taught um, per- perspective, prospective uh, dealers. Uh People are going to take over their own station. So um, you never asked the customer to uh, check their oil. You checked it. You washed their front window, their back window. You never asked. When you came in, you got their oil changed. You vacuumed their car. You washed their windows. Um, you, you were polite. You were uh, enthusiastic. You, you showed energy. That was all part of his thing. If you weren't hustling, he actually threw me out one time when I was in seventh grade, told me go home. I was hurting him. I wasn't hustling enough from car to car. Uh, so that w- was the way it was. And the other thing you taught, you never sat down. Um, when somebody wasn't at the island for gas, you um, swept, you cleaned windows. He used to even have us dust the oil cans. <laughs> He'd say, get a rag, dust the oil cans. So the place was immaculate. But it was all about customer service and presentation uh, and how you treated people. And I think that's probably the most valuable thing I learned being a kid growing up with a dad that ran a a service station. When you've taken those things from your dad to you with the schools that you've been, and again, I I know you 10 years, I I haven't heard a person that could say an ill word about you and – you know, those lessons that you learned from mm. your dad. You mentioned hustle. Mm. You played sports. You, you love sports. And uh, you, you took your playing career. LeBron took his talents to, <laughs> to uh, Miami. You took your playing career to Susquehanna University uh, in central Pennsylvania. Tell me about you know, playing college athletics there, mm. baseball and football. And tell me about that and the impact it's had on your life. Yeah. Well, f- you know, you grow up as a kid like we all did as he did in Newburgh. And, um, again, uh, Newburgh was a very diverse uh, place, and uh, I, I joined the Y when I was a kid. Um, I, I was six years old, and uh, I spent my first eight years going Y each season. I always tell this uh, story about sports, and you know, kids kind of uh, pick one a sport today. But when we were kids, uh, Labor Day, you put away your baseball mitt, you took out your football. Thanksgiving, you put away your football, you took out your basketball. St. Patrick's Day, you put away your basketball and you took out your baseball glove. And that was the kind of way we, we ran it. So, you know, like every kid, I, uh, and I, st- I say this to people, I still dream to play center field for the Yankees, but I'm starting to think that's probably not going to happen. So, uh, I played three sports in high school. Um, I had a, my mother's from an Irish family. They all went to Manhattan College, and uh, I was ready to go. They'd send in my money. I was going to Manhattan College. I had a roommate, actually. And I was probably going to play baseball at Manhattan College. A um, good friend of mine who people in Port Jervis know, Jim Reilly, another Newburgh uh, kid, um, went down to Susquehanna and met the coaches and said, I'm going to Susquehanna to play football. Don't you, you, what do you think? I said, geez, I don't know. And actually, one of our coaches from NFA um, was down there. was an assistant coach. So I went down. 
Uh, I think my Regents scholarship at Manhattan was $300, and they gave me uh, $300 uh, you could do Division three to play. So it was even money. And um, the biggest problem I had was telling my grandmother I wasn't going to Manhattan. <laughs> I was going to go to Susquehanna. But I ended up going, and um, I got to play four years of baseball and four years of football at Susquehanna. And as you and I have talked about a lot, you meet lifetime friends and just uh, guys that love to play sport. It, sports. It expands your career. None of us are, we know none of us are going uh, any further, but the relationships that you form and the friends and the experiences you have going through three days, this is the football season, and, you know, staying in the dorms, getting there two weeks before everybody, are things that you always have. And um, we go back, there's a bunch of us go back usually to, once a year to see a baseball game together or a basketball game, spend one night in Ceilings Grove, and it's, it's, it's good stuff. Like many people uh, in our, our positions, you keep those relationships going. I've been lucky enough to, to meet some of your buddies at some different events. I know Mike Kennedy's listening uh, out there uh, down in Philly, and hopefully he'll bring us some cheesesteaks next time <laughs> he comes up. Uh, X, that's a great story about Susquehanna. As superintendent, you know, I mentioned that you go to the events. Mm-hmm. You know, and you make time to go to those athletic events. You know about the teams. Uh, it, it, the playing the sport and, and going to the events. T- uh. No, I, I love sports, but uh, I tell you what I like more than sports. I, I love uh, the arts. I, I love going to concerts. I love seeing the kids perform, the plays, the concerts. We're going to uh, – one of the things I asked um, for opening day at Valley Central, if we could have um, – some of our elementary uh, kids come in and perform. So we have elementary kids coming in to perform for uh, four songs. Uh, I just think that's the best way um, for me to enjoy time. Going to concerts, summer or spring concerts or the holiday concerts is really something I enjoy. Um, as much as I love, I just came back, I got to go to Wrigley Field last week. Um, there's nothing I enjoy more than going to Broadway play. My wife and I uh, go probably a couple times a year. Um, we've seen so many. We've seen some twice now. And I'm trying to instill that in my grandkids. To, uh, when you're six, you get to go to play with uh, my wife and I and stuff. So it's been, that's just something I really enjoy. So I think people appreciate seeing you there. And, um, and I, I, that's nice. But I go because I really do enjoy the time. John, you mentioned your, your family, your wife Betsy just retired, uh, many years working at, mm-hmm. at BOCES, uh, your own children, you know, Kate, Libby, Chris, and John, and mm-hmm. um, had an opportunity to go to a family wedding uh, of yours and met yeah. your beautiful daughter, and, and I wished her well in, in Italian fashion to, <laughs> to grow her family. And, and you have eight grandkids now. Right. Give me the rundown, X. Give me the rundown. I know they're listening. Your beautiful grandkids. Yeah. Um, you know, I just going to, again, I always have a quick story. I, I'm a big post reader and I love the Giants and Tom Coughlin. And one of the things I read uh, one time, and I won't do that, I won't, and you won't have to endure this. Uh, they asked Tom Coughlin about his grandkids, and there was 11 of them. And he gave a little scout report in each of them uh, <laughs> with their interests and, and things. So um, anyway, my, I have, my oldest is Kelly, and she is uh, seven. I'll just go from her. It's Kelly, and then Mike, and then Jacob. And then the other family, it goes Ella. And then the next one on board was um, Charlotte. And then after Charlotte, we had back to the other family, the Carries. They had twin boys. 
uh, Tommy and uh, Dylan. And then we just had last uh, May uh, baby Margaret, who we know we call Molly. So we, that's our eight. And uh, I still hope that I hope they'll add more. I got two boys. I, at one time I was putting some heat on them and saying, you know, are we ever going to have grandchildren? And my one son, Christopher, who's my oldest boy, begrudgingly said, put me down for two. <laughs> so I don't know if that'll happen, but that's, that was his promise. Enrollment's going up in the Exanthus family. <laughs> it's right, which yeah. is good. It's all good. Well, and again, connecting with all the people, how special you, you treat them at work, and then your connections with, with people at your college and, and, and you know, your family, just, just incredible ex. Um, you mentioned about the sports, and I know you were a big Giants fan, a big Yankees fan, and, and Knicks. Let's say, X, they, they were shutting it down. New York City was <laughs> shutting it down, and you could only pick one. Yeah. You only could pick one. Your wife of sports, <laughs> no girlfriends. Right. Who who you marry? Yeah, I, yeah I, I don't know if I could, I could do it. I, um, and I've had this discussion with my boys. Like I've said to them, remember, uh, because they've been bad so long, and there was a time in the 90s where we, uh, my family, we really enjoyed watching the Knicks. Uh, battle with the Heat and uh, then Michael Jordan, Chicago and whatnot. And uh, I, I would say when the Knicks are good, there's nothing better than the Garden. And that's true. But I can make the same story when the Giants are good, when they won those two Super Bowls. There was nothing like watching those Giant games and watching the fans and them win on the road in that Giant Stadium. And obviously the Yankees, I think of my family – and they follow all sports, but I think the Yankees is still the biggest story. Um, my wife likes all sports, but um, she she's a big, probably bigger Yankee fan than I am. She came from outside Philly. My mother was a huge sports fan. I tell people I married my mother. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, but uh, it's so much fun. And uh, the Yankees, as you know, you're a Yankee fan, and you're you're a sports fan like I am. Uh, when those teams are good, it's just it's good. It's good for everybody. It's good for your soul. It's good for the city. It's good for your families. And it just creates a lot of great memories. And I'm always amazed. You know, we talk school and, and, and all the things we would have going on at school and our families. You'd always ask me about my families. And then you'd say, well, and how about those Knicks? <laughs> and I was this guy, he, he got everything, you know. But it's been a rough, it's been a rough go for him. It has been. It's uh, been. You should have been Phil Jackson instead of Phil. Yeah, I just... I'm hoping uh, poor Phil and everyone was rooting hard. I think we were so excited when he came, but uh, it just quite didn't work out. And hopefully this next uh, leadership team can turn this thing around. It's about time. Things ebb and flow. It's about time for it to start flowing in the right direction for us. They should have, instead of Valley Central, snatched you up. But, uh, the <laughs> Knicks should have. And we're going to talk Valley Central and school when we come back. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Our guest today... Superintendent John Exantis. We'll be right back. When you're down and trouble and you need a helping
And welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We are on Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, and Wall Radio. And our guest today is Superintendent of Valley Central Schools, John Exantis. John, nice music selection this morning. Thank you. We're happy with it, and uh, I believe you said on the Imus in the morning show, he lets his guests pick the... They do. They. Uh, I am a long-time listener. I hadn't listened to him in years, and actually Johnny Bell was the one that said, hey, X, you ought to listen to Imus. He's uh, still on. He's still going strong. So and he interviews a lot of big-time people, and the one thing they always mention is, is uh, are there five song selections? He uh, talks to them about that, and... Certainly, he has a cross-section of music that he follows, and he people's the same way. So it's all good. So, Andrew, that means that in 30 years, you'll still be here. <laughs> and we're working on that, and we got a big-time guest like I am today, John Exantis. And, uh, John, we want to ask you about your leadership position now as a superintendent. You know, the name of the show is Education, Leadership, and Beyond. And uh, you have the education portion and the, and the leadership portion as a superintendent. Is it tough being superintendent? Actually, you've been doing it a while. You know, what, what's some of the tough things about being superintendent? Well, I think I've said to you, I think the toughest job in any district is being the high school principal. So I want to get that on record. Uh, I think you have more things coming at you and more responsibilities and more time out at night than uh, any other position. And, and because it's key time in people, kids' lives and families' lives, um, they, you get a lot of attention. Some of it warranted and wanted and some not. So I want to say that. Um, no, I, I, I find the job, I, I guess it fits me well because um, I've been able, I'm not, I'm somebody who believes in people. I believe in hiring people to do their job, not to tell them how to do their job. And I've been f- lucky, fortunate to always seem to find or have good people that want to work with me. So uh um, the job, especially at this point, um, I just finished 40 years in education. I was telling a group today, this will start my 41st year. But um, I enjoy the job. Um, I enjoy working with people, and I enjoy being a small part of something very good. That, that's how I view it. And, John, one of the things, uh, again, you know, challenges in the job, you know, when you have employees that might fall short in an area or or have some something that that went wrong, and there's a disciplinary portion. Uh, you've been characterized as extreme, extremely uh, gentle man and, and caring man. How do you how do you have those conversations with the adults when they're not uh, hitting up to par? Right. Well, I, I want first of all, I want to thank you for all your kind words. I, I'm not sure they're all warranted, but I, I want to thank you for that. We'll check with the kitchen cabinet on that. <laughs> um, the one thing I will tell you. And I guess I have some type of a reputation. Yeah, Jay, you are a nice guy. And, you know, it comes up in uh, uh, a couple times in um, interviews. You know, you know, but are you too nice and too easy that you just ignore things that need to be attended to? And um, I can honestly say uh, I've been very fortunate again when things come my way. Uh, I'm, I'm very impatient, even though maybe I don't seem that. My family certainly could tell you that. So you hire somebody, you have expectations, they do their job. Um, I'm not one uh, to wait, well, you got three-year tenure. If I don't think it's a good fit, um, I, I 
that conversation needs to be had. And the bottom line is I've always looked at it because we've hired, you hire people that um, sometimes you know their parents, sometimes you know their family, sometimes it's, it's a colleague of yours, uh, uh, daughter or son or relative or some sort. But um, I've always justified it by saying um, with, when it gets to a point where it's hurting the good of the order, it's very easy to make that decision. And Andrew, you and, and when we worked together in Port Jervis, um, certainly won't name names, but there was a couple cases. One, uh, one case where it was pretty quick, about six months, we gave a person and um, certainly decided to go in a different direction. And I think the other one was, uh, a, again, a couple years. We didn't wait to the third year. Um, I don't think... School districts, I don't think, I know kids and colleagues don't have time to wait for somebody. It's not a training program. People need to do their job and do it right. And if they're not, you need to have that conversation. You need to give them a heads up with, if they're not doing it early. And if you don't see the change you need, it's, I think it's time to um, cut bait and move on. So you have those conversations, but you know, you feel good because it's, again, it's good for everybody involved. John, we're a week away from, from school starting. Where do you develop your, your ideas to, to start the year? or During the summer, we have a chance to kind of reflect and catch our, our breaths mm-hmm. as, as school leaders. Where do you get your theme or your idea for the year to say, hey, at Valley Central School District, we want right. to blank? Right. Well, again, being a superintendent, I, I find, and maybe this is a bad answer, I, I'm the biggest cheerleader. And uh, I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of skills. I, I mean that sincerely. But I think I have a, I'm, I'm decent at promoting people and promoting ideas. So um, I'm, I can't wait for school to start. Uh, just the same thing. Uh, one thing I would say in Port Jervis, that every year we came back to work with an idea of what we wanted to do the next year. No one would rest on their laurels. And uh, that's how I feel every year. So um, last year, uh, one of the things we, got, we took care of, one of the goals was to have a strategic plan. And that's in place. Um, that was adopted. There's some great ideas. Again, shout out Johnny Bell. He asked him to come over. He led that process and the discussion. And at the end of it, we came up with a, a real nice uh, plan for the next five years. We're going to work. We have been working on it, but the second part will be about the facilities. And one of our big goals at Valley Central this year, um, we're on 17K. It's a busy road. We need a light. We've gotten approval from the light from the state. It's taken years, but now we're not quite in the queue, and um, it's very dangerous there. So we want to do something to um, look at restructuring the front of our high school, middle school, because they're all together, and uh, try to bring a referendum to the public um, to do those improvements. So. Uh, that's where my focus is going to be. We have the five-year plan for uh, academics. I want to really put a lot of time and energy early in the school year to uh, get us um, to bring something to the public for a vote so we can improve conditions for kids and for safety. So there's always something in a school, in a district, and um, when you have people like yourself, Andrew, and I'm blessed in uh, in Valley Central to have uh, people in the community, my administrators, teachers that People just, uh, we started some improvements, and it was same thing here at um, Port Jervis. Um, we did, I think, $35 million in the uh, eight years. I was superintendent here with uh, Lori Case and with John Bell. And uh, you, you kind of, once it starts to get the ball rolling, people start to get excited. And um, we've done some improvements, and uh, people are very excited. We're finishing up this year a $20 million uh, bond. 
but we have plans for so much more. So that's the exciting part of it. And that's the easy part. I'm part of it, uh, planning, but a lot smarter people than me are the ones that are making the final decisions and drawing up the plans. And you, you make it sound easy, and I know you're downplaying the, the, the decision-making because at the end of the day, you know, you along with the mm-hmm. Board of Education, you have to make those plans, and that's not always easy, you know. Uh, Exantis, the, the show about leadership and, and different styles, we've got the opportunity to interview so many great people, and you mentioned John Bell. Uh, uh, you, Tom Ricard has been on the show. I had my sister on the show <laughs> last week, Suzanne uh, Carbonero. I even had my daughter, right. Claire, talking about leadership. You know, one of the things we've all enjoyed from you, and you're so generous, you know, so you'll, you'll use the phrase, take it and use it as your own. <laughs> uh, and I jotted down some exanticisms. You know, if you're from Newburgh, you might know some of these, but uh, Donnybrook, you know, yeah. sometimes there's Donnybrooks at work. And a kerfuffle, you know, run the tape. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm jumping around as I tend to do. But mm-hmm. one of the concepts I, I mentioned in the book, I, I took it and used it as my own, right. is, is the kitchen cabinet. Mm-hmm. Exantis, tell, tell our listeners, what, as a leader, what, what's the kitchen cabinet? And I know you're not talking about coffee cups. No, my uh, kitchen cabinet certainly at home is my, is my family uh, and my kids. And that was uh, something I, I used. I can remember talking to Johnny Bell about making the decisions about something he was thinking about. And I, I said, take it to your kitchen cabinet, Johnny. You'll get some good feedback. You might get outvoted. I said, I get outvoted most times. Uh, even though I'm a voting member, I, I, I don't feel like my vote counts, to be honest with you. But um, it's just a good place to um, bounce ideas. And um, at work, you know, I always considered, I, I never considered to be, I, I know the, this is, the buck stops there, and I'm always willing to take the responsibility when things go bad. I'm never looking to say, well, you know what, that wasn't my idea. But uh, again, I think empowering people and treating them as, I've always used the word partner. They're my partner. You were my partner. Um, I didn't feel like uh, I ever needed to speak down to you. Or we, we were equal. We had, we had the same goal, to do good things for Port Jervis and for the kids and for the community. And uh, that makes it easy, um, as they say. Uh, so the kitchen cabinet, your, your inner circle, the people that you, uh, you enjoy and you trust and you value and who are loyal to you and stuff. I think those are all um, attributes that you look for in people uh, that you work with and you foster those relationships and they become that, that kitchen cabinet that you can depend on. Another exanticism that I, I use Again, the way you talk to people, your connection with people, you don't wield the sword and say, I want you to do this. I'm directing you to do this. Yeah. You use the line, you know, I'd like you to consider this. Yeah. Would you consider this? And and I remember on those cold, cold mornings, you said, Angie, why don't you think about bringing the kids inside? Find them a spot inside. And we do that now. It's yeah. a tradition. The mm-hmm. kids love it. It's quiet in the gym. And we have about half the kids yeah. that come in just to, just to relax in the morning. Right. Yeah, I... I one of the things I've, uh, you know, another one, and people use a lot, words are powerful. And um, I spent a year uh, at an intermediate school, uh, they called it, it was a 3-8 building. And um, one of the things I learned real quickly, uh, I'd never been in elementary school. So, you know, when I, I'd been in school in 10 years, and uh, I was the principal there for a year, but the kids, everybody was bullying everybody. And I, I started to listen, you and I have talked about this. It's not, uh, it's not bullying. It's people just saying hurtful things. So I used to start any assembly. We used to have two a month about different things. Remind everybody that words are powerful. 
So instead of me saying, hey, Andrew, or demanding, again, I look at you on equal terms, and maybe there's a reason why it wouldn't work in poor service, but why don't you think about, why don't you consider, I think those kind of qualifiers get people to pay attention and, and, and know that you're not demanding it, you're not saying my idea, this was my idea is better, but hey, we're on equal terms, just an idea, as I, I, I use that a lot, just an idea, I'm not telling you, <laughs> I'm not telling you it's a good idea, it's an idea, see how it works for you. Exanthicisms, you know, Pat Riley, uh, uh, <laughs> Coined some of these, he's you know the tri- triple uh, triple threat, uh, three 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 feet, <laughs> three feet. You yeah, know, yeah, you, you got to coin some of these. Nah, I, I've stole every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Take it and use it as your, <laughs> as own. your own. Right. X, you mentioned a couple of the places you've been besides Port and mm-hmm. Valley Central. You spent some time at Goshen. Mm-hmm. As a leader, you know they say a leader should change jobs every five six yeah. years. John Bell talked about that. How do you know when it is the right time to to leave a position and? Right, you know, some in, in go, looking back, you always said that you know, twenty twenty, looking backwards. Yeah. But when do you know it's the right time to to, to leave and change positions? Well, I, I don't know. You, when an, uh, another opportunity comes that you maybe be considering, um, I was a guidance a teacher for six years. I was a guidance counselor for ten years. I didn't think I'd ever wanted to be an administrator, but I started thinking maybe the next challenge. And um, and I had a young family and. Oh, I, Real honest, it, it would an, uh, an opportunity to make a better living certainly uh, than uh, a teacher because I always worked other job side jobs. I bartended this like all the, uh, teachers did. Um, so I thought, hey, why don't I go back and get that? Um, I would, uh, I'd still be working. Uh, I work these jobs anyway, but maybe working something that I really have some great passion for. So, but I, I tell this story about the middle school. Um, I was a middle school principal from the time I was 40 till I was 49. And um, I love the job. And if you, probably my favorite job being a middle school principal. Um, but again, I, I look at you. It takes a lot of energy. When I got to school, um, I hit the ground running. And uh, I love the job. I love the energy from the kids. But I very wasn't in my office much. I went to the cafeteria. I was there around. I was going. And I wasn't somebody that that uh, stopped for lunch at just the way I, I worked it. And at the end of the day, I went home. I felt good. I felt tired. And I, I think we created something pretty neat. But I often wondered that could I keep up that pace and would I have the same enthusiasm and the same energy to match for that I needed for those middle school kids. And uh, I got the opportunity um, to come to Port Jervis, uh, Joe DiLorenzo was going to become a superintendent called said we have an assistant superintendent's job. Would you be interested in applying? And I thought about it. I was um, just turned uh, 50, uh, and I thought, hey, this might be a good place to, uh, to finish uh, working. I knew Joe, um, and I couldn't think of a better person to work for, and thought this might be a good place to um, come and, and do the next step. And never coming thinking I— <laughs> I'd ever be a superintendent. I'd be. That's not why I, I went into central office. But I will tell you, and you'll find out someday, the difference in central office. When you're in a school, you're in a school of a thousand kids, a hundred adults, or 125 adults. The energy, and then you go to. I went to Thompson Street uh, in Port Jervis, and there was 12 of us. It's it's a big difference, uh, and it takes a while to adjust. It, it really does. Um, you don't get that adrenaline and that urgency 
uh, that you have when you work in a school. Yeah. That's right. That bell rings, and, it, and, it, and it's time to go. Yeah. And it's time to go right now. We do have one more segment with our man, X-Man. <laughs> we'll be right back on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving with our guest, John Exanthus. And welcome back, everyone. Education, leadership, and beyond. Surviving and thriving on Country 107.7, WDLC 106.9, WYNY, and Wall Radio. This is show number 12 with my good friend and superintendent of Valley Central Schools, Mr. John Exantis. Before we uh, uh, get to our write-in portion of the show, we are going to do a quick recap of today's opening concept, which was based on John Exantis about relationship building, giving it all into building your relationships. And, and a couple of the points we spoke about, knowing the names and knowing something about the people you work with and asking them about it, asking them about things in their lives, attending events at your school or your work, greeting people in the morning, greeting them when they come to events in the evening, celebrating your people, and hiring people with different skill sets to accomplish different tasks and goals on the job. Those are some of the things I learned about uh, working with John Exanthus for 10 years at Port Jervis, and a lot of those are in my upcoming book coming up here in September, The Principal, Surviving and Thriving. And uh, this last segment of the show, John, we have just a couple of minutes, uh, and it's a write-in portion. Uh, listeners can, can write in. They can uh, write in on Twitter, at AndrewMarada21, or they can email in the show, Andrew at NeverSyncMediaGroup.com. Uh, and a couple of questions for you that came in today, John. Number one, again, the superintendent of schools, hiring. Mm -hmm. What do you look for? What are some things that jump off a resume for you when you're interviewing somebody and you say, man, bam, that's on the resume and it's a check plus? What's, what are one or two things that you look for on a resume? Okay, this is probably not a good answer. Um, I've never been a real uh, a resume guy. Uh, certainly, people get their foot in the door. You look at the resume, people you don't know. But I've always found, and being local, being around for 40 years, if I meet you, um, there's probably somebody, if you're local, there's probably somebody that I can speak to that can give me a good scouting report. Uh, so I, I, I network uh, a lot. I, I, uh, that's the best way. If I don't know you, then I I call and I, I talk to people. Uh, I probably the best uh, psychologist I ever uh, hired. He was local. Um, he was a Washingtonville kid, but he had done his work in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I remember calling and uh, speaking to three different ladies, and uh, each one of them tell me a better story. <laughs> the other one um, that he went down on his own. He volunteered to go to cafeteria duty to work. 
see kids and talk to them, see how they're doing. You and I have been in schools a while, and you know most people don't volunteer to go to they're cafeteria. Yeah. So it worked out, and he turned out great. Um, so I think you you have to ask questions. You got to call people. Um, certainly, experience counts. That's something you look at in a resume. That's what usually gets you attracted to somebody that you don't know. And um, but those you, you really need to. I, I call it work the phones. You got to work the phones. And and on a resume, was there ever something you saw and said, uh uh-uh, uh, no way. No, that's that's not good. Yeah, again, you know me pretty well. I don't. I'm not the guy usually going through the resumes. Uh, but I've worked places where if some, there's a mistake on a resume or there's a misspelled word, that's a disqualifier. You know. So, and I understand that. I, but I'm not the guy that's going to go through and do the digging. Um, I'm the guy. You you find the people. I'll be at the table. Mariano, we'll you're the closer. I'm the, yeah. They're calling you. <laughs> Again, Johnny Bell and I used to meet the uh, final candidates, uh, the two, and uh, um, it, it was just a, a, you guys did a great job of uh, vetting and finding and sending us good people. So it was just, I used to say to him, this is not a final exam uh, f- uh, from Harvard. This is just a meet and greet for us to kind of get a sense of you and uh, you of us. And the other thing, and I said it today at school, we're not just interviewing you the person should be interview, you know, them. They should be interviewing us also. So it's a two-way street. Got to be a good fit. X, we have about one minute left. Uh, another question came in on the email. In your opinion, you know, what is the most important thing in leadership? What is the most important thing a leader can do uh, to to be a, an effective leader? Yeah, there's all different type of styles. And again, I keep bringing them up, but it's true when we were at Port together, um, John Bell used to give us uh, leadership books to read, different styles, and everybody has different styles. You know, there's the leader that's feared. Uh, I remember one of the board members in uh, Port said, don't go in the buildings much. I, I when, when you go in the buildings, I want people to be afraid. Oh, here comes Xanthus. You know, that, that's, that's the way we, uh, you, you still fear in people and people respect and follow you. Um, never was from that book. Uh, I certainly, I, for me, it is to develop relationships where I think I try to prove to people that I care about them and value them, and in return, um, I get that in return, and we become, we form uh, good partnerships. And uh, people, I think of you, and I, I think of um, Jerry Kmar. Jerry Kmar would run through a wall, <laughs> I think, he, and he's told me that. What do you need? I, I can take care of anything you need. Uh, and that's the type of loyalty you try to uh, get from uh, people like you and him and other people I've worked with. He's a good man. He'll, he'll be coming on the show here soon. <laughs> X, we ran out of time. Uh, you did a fantastic wow. job, and I hope our listeners really got a sense of your leadership style and, and what you're doing for kids in schools uh, around the county. So thank you so much. I, I thank you. I want to say I don't think my story is that compelling. You made it sound a lot better than it is, but uh, <laughs> thanks so much for your kind words. I, I really do appreciate it, Andrew. I, Good. And thanks for having me. We'll break some bread again soon. Yep. This was Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Before that music, Gavin, we're going to end with a quote. And again, in, in honor of my good friend John Exantis, here's our quote. People don't, know, people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And if you work with John Exantis, you know he cares. Next week's guest, our good friend from Port Jervis, Orange County legislator Tom Fagione will be our guest. Thanks for listening this morning on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. 
surviving and thriving. Go out and change the world for the better. The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. It lingered there 